0: Bringing you the latest in tax credit news. This is Tax Credit Tuesday with your host, Michael Novogratz. Hello, I'm Michael Novogratz, and this is Tax Credit Tuesday. Today is Tuesday, December seventeenth, two thousand and nineteen. Now this is an anniversary week of sorts for three pieces of legislation, legislation that greatly affected tax incentives that are currently in the spotlight. Now the first was 19 years ago, on December 21st, 2000. That's when President Bill Clinton signed budget legislation that included an increase to the long-term Tax Credit annual allocation amount. It also created an annual inflation adjustment that's in effect today. That bill also, it created the New Markets Tax Credit. Now the second event happened four years ago, December 18th, 2015. That's four years ago tomorrow. That's when President Barack Obama signed the PATH Act. That legislation included a five-year extension of the New Markets Tax Credit, as well as extenders that included a phase-down of the renewable energy production tax credit and investment tax credit. Now, the third event? Well, that happened a mere two years ago, December 22, 2017. That's when President Donald Trump signed tax reform legislation that created the Opportunity Zones incentive. So the three pieces of legislation, over the last 19 years, expanded long-term tax credits, created the New Markets Tax Credit, and created Opportunity Zones. Now fast forward to today, and the New Markets Tax Credit, Production Tax Credit, and Investment Tax Credit are part of the discussion of tax extenders. And we have news that broke last night, or early this morning, depending upon your time zone, which we'll address later in this podcast. Also briefly, I should note that we're still waiting on the Office of Information and Regulatory Affairs to complete its review of Opportunity Zones guidance, guidance that they received from Treasury for their review. That guidance could be released this week, so stay tuned. As you can see, there's a lot happening, and it's all happening during significant times for tax incentives. In this week's podcast, in addition to the news on tax incentives, We also have details on the budget deal that was announced last week. Also, we finally have a proposal for updated regulations for the Community Reinvestment Act, so I'll touch on those. I'll also wrap up with some news from HUD, information about a housing bill, and how California is handling affordable housing properties that have long-term residents serving as a property manager. Something that if you're working in California you want to know about, And if you're in another state, you might want to think about how your state handles residents serving as property managers. If you're ready, let's get started. Now in breaking news, two bills were introduced today in the House to fund the government for the rest of fiscal year 2020. The second bill includes extensions through the end of 2020 for a few important tax incentives. Now we'll provide details in a moment But first, I wanna give some specifics on the budget bill. Now, when I mention the rest of the fiscal year for 2020, that means through the end of September, through September 2020. And the legislation that's been introduced has to pass the House and the Senate as well as be signed by President Trump ahead of a December 20th deadline. That needs to occur in order to avoid a government shutdown. And of course, December 20th is this Friday. You may remember from last year There was a 35-day shutdown when Congress and President Trump couldn't agree on a funding bill. This year, though, it looks like they do have agreement, a $1.3 trillion agreement. Now, the big news for us is that this agreement does appear to include provisions relating to the New Markets Tax Credit, Renewable Energy Production Tax Credit, and the Low-Income Housing Tax Credit. For starters, the legislation would extend the New Markets Tax Credit for another year at $5 billion in allocation authority. You may know that that's an increase from the current $3.5 billion mark, where it's been generally since 2006. So after the current calendar year 2019 round and new market tax credits are allocated, which by the way, we do expect something this summer, there will then be a $5 billion round that will open for 2020, of course, assuming the legislation passes. Obviously very good news for community development, and it's a tremendous achievement, given the context of the overall tax deal. Now, the legislation also includes additional low-income tax credits for California. The bill provides for an additional allocation of credits for California in 2020 because of the wildfires that occurred back in 2017 and 2018. The bill calls, technically, for an increased allocation amount equal to the lesser of the total of credits allocated to the effective counties in those two years, or half the state's credit ceiling for those two years. We estimate at Novagradic that that total should be nearly $1 billion in additional low-income housing tax credits. That's close to double the normal alloc- annual allocation amount for California. Now the sad news in all this discussion is the legislation did not, the tax bill, as proposed does not provide for a four percent floor for the low income housing tax credit this despite the best efforts of affordable housing advocates nationwide now there was much discussion over the last weekend and we understand at different points in time a four percent floor was in a proposed larger tax bill but ultimately that larger tax bill failed sometime last night the tax bill was reduced in size And as a consequence, the 4% floor was one of many tax provisions left in the cutting room floor. Now the tax bill does however extend the production tax credit through the end of 2020 for wind, and it extends this wind production tax credit at a higher rate, a rate of 60% as opposed to 40%. Now the production tax credit was going to expire at the end of this year. So this is really big news for the wind industry as they do have another year there are two other energy provisions I want to make sure that I mentioned. They were also extended through 2020. The first is the Section 179 D, Deduction for Energy Efficient Commercial Buildings, and the second is the Section 45 Cap L, Credit for Energy Efficient Homes. Both of these had expired in 2017, but this bill, it would reinstate them through the end of 2020. Now the 45 L Credit for Energy Efficient Homes is $2,000 a unit, and low income tax credit properties are often eligible for the credit and they claim it in the year the property is placed in service which means properties placed in service in 2018 for which tax returns have been filed are now eligible for the credit which we can presumably can claim by filing them amended return but there's a bit of a catch if you want to be able to get the benefit of the credit in 2019 you need to file returns by the end of this year before december 31st 2019. So, if this applies to you, if you had a property placed in service in 2018, or you invested in a project that was placed in service in 2018, you should contact a Novigrad professional to discuss your tax filing options. Now, if this budget package does go into law, there are no hiccups between now and Friday, it means that there is agreement on all 12 spending bills that are needed to fund the federal government. In case you're wondering, the House plans to vote on the bills today Tuesday and I did say bills and you might be wondering why am I saying bills versus bill well President Trump had said he would not sign an omnibus bill and all and congressional leaders agreed. Now an omnibus bill would be a spending package with all 12 spending bills included. So since the president wouldn't sign an omnibus bill Congress is providing two packages and they were introduced today one package covers defense Commerce Justice Science, Financial Services, and General Government, and that includes Treasury and Homeland Security. The one bill includes those agencies and includes their fiscal year 2020 spending needs. The other bill covers the other eight 2020 spending bills, which includes the Transportation HUD spending bill, which is the one that includes the tax incentive provisions that I've been mentioning earlier. Now as you might not be too surprised, there has been some concern as to whether President Trump will actually sign the bills. This is because they fall short of his demand for $5 billion for border wall construction. That said, the, the legislation does include nearly $1.4 billion for the border barrier. However, congressional leaders did say that the fact that Treasury Secretary Steven Mnuchin was involved in the discussion makes it more likely that Trump will agree and sign the bills. Now in particular, a provision dealing with the border barrier, the agreement doesn't restrict the President's ability to transfer funds from defense accounts to fund a border wall. I should also remind you that the proposed extension of the New Markets Tax Credit and the Production Tax Credit means they are and remain temporary, just have one more year. Which means stakeholders for these incentives Still need to advocate for permanency for both provisions. But this bill obviously provides very good news on both fronts. And as we've also previously discussed, there's another important tax incentive that has significant phase downs beginning in 2020. And this was, this incentive was part of the discussions of the weekend, but fell out in the final pared down bill. I'm talking, of course, about the Renewable Energy Investment Tax Credit which begins a phase down next year in 2020, going from 30 percent to 26 percent on January 1, 2020. Now, there is legislation in Congress to extend that credit as well, as other incentives, and proponents have been looking to year-end legislation to get them passed. With Congress planning to wrap up the year's business before Christmas, that means there's very little time. Given the challenges of getting a larger tax bill. I'm not very optimistic there'll be any more tax legislation this year, but it does remain a developing story. And I'll update you on Twitter if something significantly develops. And as always, you can sign up for breaking news alerts through our website. It's free. and I'll provide a link to sign up for breaking news alerts in today's show notes. So there's been a lot of news this week and last week, and this week is still pretty young. Uh, Another big news item from last week was the release of a notice of proposed rulemaking to reform Community Reinvestment Act regulations. Now the Community Reinvestment Act of 1977 encourages certain depository institutions to help meet the credit needs of the communities in which they're chartered, including low and moderate income neighborhoods, consistent with the safe and sound operation of such institutions. Now under CRA three federal bank regulatory agencies regularly examine banks' lending and investment practices to ensure that the banks are serving low and moderate income areas and people. Now changes over the years and complaints that the evaluation process isn't clear has led to the call to modernize the regulations. In the CRA, it's very important to the tax incentives we follow on this Tax Credit Tuesday podcast. To illustrate, an estimated 85% of the annual loan of the investment is made by banks that are motivated by the Committee Reinvestment Act. Similarly, much of the new markets tax credit and historic tax credit investment comes from CRA motivated banks. Now, it doesn't mean banks only invest in affordable housing, community development, or historic preservation because of CRA, but it does mean that much of their investment does count in their CRA evaluation. And CRA scores are used when banks apply for mergers, new charters, acquisitions, branch openings, and more. Now, the notice to reform the regulations came from the Office of the Comptroller of the Currency or OCC, and the Federal Deposit Insurance Corporation, or FDIC. Those are two of the three regulators that oversee compliance with CRA. The other federal bank regulator is the Federal Reserve, which notably did not sign on to the proposal, but the Federal Reserve did indicate an interest in modernizing the CRA regulations. Now, this proposal would make the first significant changes to CRA regulations since 1995. That's right, nearly 25 years since the last time the CRA regulations were updated. During this time, during the time that's elapsed of course, online banking has emerged and many banking practices have changed. This is an effort to modernize regulations that have been in place for a long time. So what do the proposed regulations say? Well, as you'd expect, some significant changes are proposed. And one major change under the proposed regulations is that regulators would count loans to low and moderate income people rather than loans that go to low income neighborhoods. Another critical change in the proposal is the merging of the current three separate tests. There's currently a separate investment, lending, and services test. The proposal would merge those three tests into one aggregate qualifying activities, CRA qualifying activities approach. The investment test, by the way, is how most tax credit investments have been evaluated under current regulations. Now, the proposed regulations also move from the current focus on CRA activities initiated during a three-year examination cycle to the CRA qualifying activities held on the balance sheet. Broadly speaking, under the balance sheet approach, ratios are calculated at the bank level and assessment area levels, And the numerator of the ratio is the dollar volume of CRA qualifying activities and the denominator is the bank's deposits and banks must achieve a minimum percentage of minimum ratio in order to achieve an outstanding or satisfactory CRA rating now in measuring certain activities the proposal calls for a doubling or a multiplier of two or you get double credit these qualifying activities for which you get double credit would include affordable housing loans, community development investments, and loans to CDFIs, community development financial institutions. This would mean, for example, that a $10 million loan for affordable housing would count as $20 million for purposes of the ratio test. Now another new provision would require regulators to create a list of commonly approved CRA activities and to update this list regularly. Now this is something that those of us involved in tax incentive have asked for for a while, because it would provide clarity. And the proposed rule does include an example as to how that list would look. The list includes investments in Loan Compositing Tax Credits, loans to businesses to purchase real estate related to the New Markets Tax Credit, it would include investment in New market Tax Credit eligible properties that fund a mixed-use project that includes affordable housing. It also would include renewable energy, or gives an example of renewable energy tax credits that reduce electricity costs to low and middle-income census tracts as a qualifying activity. And the proposed regulations also say a bank would get CRA credit for a community development activity that supports investments by opportunity funds in a low and moderate income census tract. And the proposed regulations do include several examples of opportunity funds' investments that would qualify. Now, after the proposed regulations became public, There was some criticism, some significant criticism, particularly from Democrats in Congress. Senator Sherrod Brown of Ohio, for example, he's the ranking member of the Senate Banking, Housing, and Urban Affairs Committee. He said the proposed regulations would hurt the communities that need banking the most. Brown specified communities of color and rural communities as being hurt by the proposed regulations. Now, those Democrats and other groups also object to a provision that emphasizes how many loans a bank makes to low-income borrowers and how much money it invests in low-income communities. Their objection is that those figures are used exclusively instead of requiring banks to get community input on those communities' needs. Now, the proposed regulations were released with a 60-day comment period. While that wasn't enough for one member of Congress, Maxine Waters, Chairman of the House Financial Services Committee, along with Brown and other members of Congress signed a letter to the three CRA regulating agencies. In the letter, they asked that the comment period in the proposed regulations be extended to 120 days, rather than 60 days. There was, though, also support for the proposed regulations. Senator Mike Crapo, head of the Senate Banking Committee, said the proposed rule would encourage investment lending and services where they are needed most. And House Financial Services Committee ranking member Patrick McHenry echoed those sentiments. Meanwhile, let's briefly discuss the Fed. The Federal Reserve didn't participate in the proposal. Jerome Powell, who's the chairman of the Fed, said he hopes to get on board with proposed regulations, but said there were disagreements over the final draft regulations. He didn't say exactly where the Fed differed from the OCC and FDIC on the proposed regulations, but he did say they differed. Now, as mentioned earlier, the regulations will be published in the Federal Register, and there will be a 60-day comment period following their publication. I have included a link to the proposed regulations in today's show notes, as well as a fact sheet and a summary of the proposal. Both are from the OCC. Now, this won't come as a surprise, but the various Novigrad working groups will be commenting on the regulations, and we encourage you to join one of our working groups and make your voice be heard. So that is a lot of breaking news with tax extenders, budget bill, CRA proposed regulations. But there is some other news I want to make sure we cover before we close out this podcast. First, HUD did publish a notice last week announcing fiscal year 2020 annual adjustment factors for the Section 8 Housing Assistance Payments Program. The notice provides factors for adjustments of contract rents on the anniversary of the contract for 2020. The annual adjustment factors are separate from the operating cost adjustment factors or OCAFs, which adjust rents for project-based section of contracts. A link to the annual adjustment factors tables in the notice itself are in today's show notes. Another forward housing news, I wanted to share that Senators Michael Bennett of Colorado and Rob Portman of Ohio last week introduced the Eviction Crisis Act. The bill would create an emergency assistance fund, or an EAF and the EAF would help extremely low-income households overcome a short-term crisis in housing stability. And finally, in state-level news, the California Tax Allocation Committee released a memo clarifying the requirements for the use of a low-income unit in a low-income housing tax credit department for a property manager. The memo clarifies that the unit must be considered income-restricted and be included in the applicable fraction and that the tenant cannot be evicted upon termination of employment. The agency said that any credit application that proposes to use a low-income unit to meet the managed unit requirements must include a description as to how the property will meet those requirements if employment is terminated. Well, that brings me to the end of this week's report. Now, this is our final podcast of 2019, since you're going to be taking a break the next two weeks to celebrate the holidays. Tax Credit Tuesday will return on January 7th, 2020. However, I do want to remind you we will continue to follow year-end tax legislation and the potential release of Opportunity Zones updated regulations. And if you haven't already done so, I do urge you to register for Novogratz Industry Alerts so you'll be notified when significant issues happen in the tax incentive world. I'll include a link to help you register in today's show notes, as I noted earlier. And, as always, I encourage you to follow me on Twitter. I wish everyone happy holidays, and look forward to speaking with you again in 2020. That's it for now. I'm Michael Novogratik. Thanks for listening. This weekly podcast has been brought to you by Novogratik & Company LLP. Archived podcasts are available online at wwwnovacocom forward slash podcast, or by subscribing to the Tax Credit Tuesday podcast in iTunes. You can find related links referenced in this podcast in our show notes at www.novaco.com forward slash podcast. Novogradick and Company LLP is a national certified public accounting and consulting firm with offices nationwide. Learn more about our professional services at www.novaco.com.